Did you know that motivational speakers, some of the top speakers in our country, get over $100,000 per speech? I mean, that's amazing when, when you think about it. And what I want to guarantee you this morning is this is not a $100,000 message, all right? <laughs> I mean, <I'd, laughs> I don't command that, that kind of fee. I'm kind of a low-dollar guy. Uh, in fact, the last time I was asked to speak uh, outside the church to motivate a group of people, I got an apple pie. <laughs> That'll tell you anything. <laughs> I mean, it is amazing to me that guys like Tony Robbins uh, can earn $100,000 for a motivational speech. And uh, in my mind, I think somebody really believes in the value of motivation. Somebody who's willing to pick up that kind of a tab for a pep talk must be convinced that a fired-up audience or a fired-up team or sales force, that, that it is worth the investment. And when you stop and think about it, high motivation levels, I think, play a critical role in the success of an individual and then the success of an organization. True, would you agree with that? I mean, would you rather be on a, a maybe an athletic team that is fired up or a lethargic one? I mean, would you rather work in a high-energy uh, kind of environment or would you rather be in kind of a slow-motion, apathetic one? The, the fact is, if, if you were going to hire someone for a corporation, or for your business. Don't you look for highly motivated people? Don't we hope that our children, that students today, will be motivated to study, to engage activities to the best of their ability? Don't we all desire that our spouses would stay motivated in marriage? The fact is, I believe intuitively we understand the importance of motivation. Motivation in every area of our life. And this final installment of Ignite, that's what I want to talk about. What motivates Christians? What keeps Christians moving forward so that they don't lose that steam, uh, end up falling kind of into a comatose type of faith? How do you stay motivated? How do you stay growing and maturing for a lifetime? And I'm going to give us several things this morning, but one thing I think it's fitting that we begin with love. Remember, I'm going to date myself, but 1980s, Huey Lewis, he had the song, The Power of Love. How many of you remember that? How many of you have no idea who Huey Lewis is? <laughs> it's a, it was a huge hit, huge hit. And the song basically describes the enormous impact of love on people. The power of love. I believe it's the one thing that sets Christianity apart from all the other religions is that it's love-driven. If you were to sit down and list the world's religions, all the major ones, you would find that one of them is law-driven. In other words, do the rules. Another one would be fear-driven, do the rules or else. Knowledge-driven, know all the dogma, that's what it's about. 
Some of them are conformity-driven. You know, clean up your act. But I would argue biblical, okay, biblical Christianity is unique. That biblical Christianity is unlike all the other belief systems in that it begins with love. It's the doctrine. It starts with the words, for God so loved the world. That's at the heart of the doctrine of the Christian faith. A sovereign God that had a deep affection, an incredible love for the people that he had created. And that is an amazing thing. I still marvel at that. If you were to interview Christians, true Christians that have given, given their heart to Christ, If you were to ask them what it was that prompted them to step across the line to commit their lives in a personal way, I believe most, if not all, the people that you would talk to would say something like, you know, when when I discovered that God loved me, that God loved me in spite of of my foul-up, in spite of all the sins in my life and the rebellion, when when I fully realized... He loved me that much. Self-centered, shame-filled me. When I realized God loved me, I was moved. You know, someone else might say, well, when I realized God loved me so much that he was willing to send his son to die for my sins and that God didn't just want to forgive me, but God wanted to have a relationship with me, wanted to adopt me into his family. That kind of love just broke me. And it made me cross the line. Some of you, that's what took you across the line. Christianity is fundamentally love-driven. In the middle of all the doctrine and all the things that we study and learn is God's heart that is beating hard to reach people and to love people. And I believe that if that initially, that love, discovering that God loves us, that he loved us through Jesus Christ, if that's what brings people into the family of God, if that's what helps us take that step across the line, then I believe that same love is what will keep us going over the long haul. That it's that same love flowing every single day that reminds us how much God loves us. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Mature believers. Mature believers walk closely enough with God that they experience daily expressions of God's love. And when it happens, and it does, it motivates you. It motivates you to talk to God on a regular basis, to live every day for God. It's kind of this renewable energy source. You've heard the expression, what have you done for me lately? You ever said that? What have you done for me lately? Mature Christians do not have to ask that question because they live daily understanding full well what God has done for them, which is a lot, by the way. 
I mean, I stand before you today motivated. Motivated not because of what God did for me 36 years ago. Not just because of that. The fact that I realized he loved me, I gave my life to him. But because of what I experience on a daily basis, every single day of my life, and I'm not talking as a pastor here right now. I'm talking as a Christian. The way that that God demonstrates very dramatic and creatively and regularly in my life. I can tell you that I stay motivated. I stay motivated to grow and to give and to serve and to spread the good news of the amazing love of God. Friends, God has done a lot for me lately. Answered prayers. He's met met my needs. He's given me words of encouragement and affirmation along the way. Granted me forgiveness when I needed it. You know, has protected me. And the fact is, God's done a lot for you too. Spiritual infants, spiritual adolescents aren't in tune with that. What, What tends to happen is we skim over these everyday manifestations of God's love. And as a result, you feel kind of detached from God. If you were to think back, think back when you first gave your life to Jesus Christ, when you first discovered that God loved you, well, that might get your heart going a little bit. But if that's what you have to reach back to, it seems like a long time ago. But there are fresh memories. And so many times Christians don't have these fresh memories. And it's not God's fault. It's because God has been trying to give you these fresh, loving, caring memories. This fresh love every single day. You know, mature believers become very acute and aware that God's speaking to them. That God's loving them. You know, for instance, you might be in your car heading to work. And there's a spectacular sunrise. Some might curse and say, oh, there's glare on the windshield. But the mature believer doesn't let that get by him. Mature believer would look and go, you know, God, you love me so much. You you put me in this world full of beauty. That is an amazing sunrise. That is amazing. It reminds me how faithful you are. What a way to start my day. And so it goes through the day. I mean, maybe in, in a moment, maybe a friend calls out of the blue. Just a word of encouragement. Hey, I was thinking about you. One to call. Friends, the mature believer gets off the phone and maybe lifts up a prayer of thanksgiving. Says, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me that relational oasis in the middle of the desert of my day. You know, that's just like you, God. Just show your love to know I need a little bit of encouragement. Then there's the answered prayer little divine guidance, red flag warning that kept you out of a jam maybe. Maybe an idea that God gives you 
that was way better than the idea you had. Maybe it's forgiveness for a wayward thought. And here's the deal. By the end of the day, when your head hits the pillow, there has been ample evidence that you are loved by God. If you are a believer, you have to learn to tune in, to acknowledge the way that God shows you love every day, to not just gloss over it, to to miss it. And I believe when you do that as a believer, what happens is you live humble and you live with an extremely motivated spirit in your life. Some of you need to put the antennas up in your life a bit higher this week. You know, to, for some of you, maybe you just need to slow down a little bit and look around you and see those creative clues, because they're there, that God has strategically placed in your path, but you tend to miss them because you're running too hard too fast. You know, things that God's woven into your day to remind you that you matter to God, to remind you you are loved by God. And as you begin to become aware of those things, it does something right here. Keeps you living with a very, very high motivation level. And it's renewed every single day. It allows you to live that abundant life the, the Scripture talks about and Jesus said we could have. So that's one thing that motivates is love. I think another one that motivates truth, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this through, through this series, but I am amazed every single week the airwaves, the TV, is just jammed full of opinions. Opinions about what is true, what, what is right, what is wrong. And, and you'll hear people, they'll go, well, well this is my truth. Now, that, that's your truth, but I, and then they'll talk about whatever. Everyone has an opinion. Have you figured that out? Everyone. Talk shows expanding their, their time slots to let people express their opinion like it's truth. Polls are taken as though majority determines truth. I mean... I think, is there a way to, to kind of navigate through this? Is there a way to kind of weight what, what you're hearing? Is there a truth source, and we've talked about it, that's accessible and comprehensive and reliable? I mean, what is truth? And I think there maybe is no more important question for our society today. See, if the Bible's true... If it's God's universal truth for the world, and I believe it is, then those of us that have it, that believe it, that live it, we are the most fortunate people on this planet. Because we have a way, a way out of the world's collective confusion. And it is confusion. We have a sure foundation for living. We, we have an explanation of the origin of life, the, the meaning of life, what, what happens when we go into the next life, what happens beyond the grave. We have the straight scoop on what's right and what's wrong. 
We, we have a God that has given us counsel that can help us with our daily living and the decisions that we make. It is truth-filled instruction about what really matters, about how to prepare for eternity. Mature believers tend to stay fired up. They, they tend to stay fired up over the long haul because they have become increasingly convinced that the Bible that they carry, that they study, that they apply to their lives is true. And true believers learn to treasure the Word of God. You know, mature believers kind of take note when they look at society. Look at some of the spiritual gurus. Some of the counterfeit truths that are out there that come and go. Mature believer kind of watches the public opinion polls that are constantly changing. You notice that? One extreme to the other. But the mature believer sees all that confusion and they constantly thank God because God's word is real. It endures. It is truth-filled. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong teaches us to do what is right. See, mature believers are not surprised when, like the Book of Mormon, is found to be fraudulent from cover to cover. doesn't hold up. Mature believers are not shocked when the archaeology or the historic manuscripts continue to prove that God's word is valid. In fact, mature believers aren't even worried when skeptics and scholars kind of go after Scripture. They're going to prove it wrong. Challenging the kind of authenticity of God's Word. They don't get worried about it because they know that God's Word will withstand the scrutiny. It's historical, it's philosophically sound, it's accurate. It's true. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? I was watching just this week, CNN. CNN had a news story. Experts have come to the conclusion. Get ready. Divorce is unsettling to children. And I think, what insight? Wow. Who would have ever thought? I saw a documentary this week. Ten-year study. Team of experts, doctors, psychologists, you name it, that worked on this for ten years. Sexual purity is the most effective way to reduce unwanted pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, AIDS, and guilt. Who would have guessed? I hope you're picking up my sarcasm right now. Mature believers come to understand that the Bible's true. They come to understand that it can be trusted, that it has been true for thousands of years. It's true today. It'll be true at the end of time. And when you realize that, 
when you realize that you're building your life on truth, when you're making your decisions and building your relationships on that, when you're planning your future and establishing your eternity on the truth, it is a powerful thing. It is a motivator. It is something that gets you through the journey of this life. See, spiritual infants, they hope that their newfound faith is true. But they're not really sure. A a spiritual adolescent, they kind of waffle with truth back and forth. They're, They're confident in it. They're confident in the Bible, and then they're not sure. But mature believers... When they cross the line, when they have studied it enough, asked enough questions, gotten enough good answers, over time, they come to a point and they come to the conclusion, God's word is true. I believe it in all my soul. It tells the truth about where I came from. It tells the truth about sin. Tells the truth about how I get right with God. Tells the truth about marriage and child rearing and money management and eternity. God's word is true. And when the mature believer comes to that kind of realization, they are motivated. They're motivated to study. They're motivated to apply that truth to their life. They're motivated to live the truth. They're motivated to proclaim the truth, not ashamed, not cowering, but because it's true, they stand strong. We live in a world that's confused. Just watch the news. Look around you in this world. It's just confused. And and what blows my mind is a lot of Christians are living just as confused. Because you know what? They haven't settled this one. They haven't settled. Looking for truth in some of the strangest places. You know, I wonder, have you studied God's word enough? Have you asked enough tough questions? And it is okay to ask questions. Have you read enough books? Have you done enough comparisons that you've come to a point that you say, you know what, the Bible's true. The Bible's absolutely true. Because when you come to that point, it's huge. It's powerful. It is a motivating force in your life because you realize You're not like the rest of the world. You're not guessing and making it up and changing what you believe. You've got a true source to keep you straight, to keep the foundation strong. Here's another great motivator, I believe, and that's difference-making. There's a story told in Matthew, the fourth chapter, Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He spots Peter and Andrew. Those two guys were brothers. They're tossing nets off the shore, and they're fishing. And Jesus says to them, chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. 
Jesus offers Peter and Andrew chance of a lifetime. He says, you know what? You can either spend your lives in the fishing business. And that was a respectable vocation, by the way. Or you could enter into a relationship with God and learn how to fish for people. Jesus would later define what he meant by the people business. He said it would be challenging, that it would stretch them, that it would frustrate them from time to time, but it would be more fulfilling than any other business that they could be in. I mean, in a way, Jesus was saying, guys, listen, listen to me. You need to understand the best day of fishing at the end of that day when, when your head hits the pillow, you need to understand the best day of fishing, you will move a couple hundred fish from the sea to the land. That's what you did. That's the best day of fishing. But the best day in the people business, when your head hits the pillow, you will realize that you changed a life that God used you to move people, to move people from despair to hope, from confusion to to understanding, from poverty to provision, that you will move them from loneliness to a relationship, you know, move them from sin and guilt to forgiveness and righteousness. You will move them from heaven to hell, or hell to heaven, whoa, (laughs) Make sure we get that right. You will realize that God used you to make a difference. That's the people business, friends. That is the thrill of making a difference. And Jesus says, that beats fishing in the sea any day. Spiritual infants, spiritual adolescents often complain to me. And they'll say something like, you know what, Damon, something is missing in my faith. And they're doing a little reading, a little praying, attend worship service on the weekend. But something's just missing. And when people say that to me, I listen to them. And then at some point, I will ask them, so what are you doing to make a difference with your life? And then, if I kind of get the, well, you know, I'm doing good things, I'll say, okay, give me names and be specific. Who are you serving? Who are you investing in? Who are you trying to reach for Jesus Christ? Who are you instilling hope in? Who are you making a difference in their life? And, and if I get this blank kind of stare, I absolutely know the issue at that point. They are missing the fulfillment of working in the people business. Mature believers learn over time that playing a key role in someone else's life will provide the fulfillment that they're looking for. I was thinking about this week. My motivation level enhanced big time this week. 
I was talking to somebody, and it was a long conversation, but kind of the gist of it. They said to me, they said, you know, Damon, you saved our marriage. And you've always been there in those dark days with us. And I'll never forget, they said, we wouldn't have made it without you. Now, I don't say that to say, hey, look at me, but to say, that fires me up. That motivates me. All I've got to do is think about a conversation like that, and it motivates me. It reminded me midweek that I am not just a message machine, that it is making a difference in people's lives, that I am helping to, instead of transferring fish, I'm helping move a couple from despair to hope. It reminded me how fulfilling it is to be in the people business. And I wonder today, I wonder how many of you are just casting vocational nets? How many of you know it's not doing it for you anymore? How many of you are finding that the fishing vocational business is getting kind of predictable, kind of mundane? In fact, how many of you today realize that you need to do something more? Don't misunderstand me. Fishing business? That's fine. You're doing something you love, that's respectful, that's good. But friends, it will never compare to investing yourself in other people's lives. When you get involved in the people business, it stirs up the vitality in your spirit. It keeps you from drying up. That's what keeps you fired up. That's what keeps you growing. That's what keeps you motivated in your walk with God. It is a powerful motivator. You know, you need to serve on a team. You need to get in small groups where you can connect with people. You need to get your radar up. Get your radar up when, when you're at work or in your neighborhoods or your schools. Where is God wanting you to change a life? I guarantee you they're around you. And there's one more motivation, and that's heaven. And I know as I say that, that sounds strange, but here's what I believe. The promise of heaven is a powerful motivator to the serious Christian. The promise of heaven kind of relieves some of the fear and worry about judgment day and the afterlife. I mean, the promise of heaven says that if we understand that it it is ours, and, and that's what Scripture says, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's yours. And I realize it does not take away all our fears, but I believe when you understand the promise of heaven, there's an underlying peace that you have in this life. You have some peace about what's going to happen when we die. I have watched people through the years that are losing their, their health battles. I've been with people that are about to go into surgery and the chance of them making it through is not very good. And there's something I've noted through my life that there is a calmness when heaven's sure. 
I mean, the promise of heaven, it's a powerful motivator. It helps people face suffering in this world, and we all have seasons of suffering. And it helps you because what you're reminded as you're going through the suffering and the pain and the trouble and the turmoil, what you're reminded is one of these days on the other side, there is no more suffering. There is no more pain. It makes it easier, I believe, to suffer with, with dignity and, and courage because we know it's going to pass. You know, the book of Revelation says, it's talking about God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Revelation 21.4, you ought to put that on your refrigerator. The promise of heaven motivates us to do everything in our power to make sure that our friends and our family and the people that we work with are going to be there with us in heaven. You see, the promise of heaven should keep this church reaching the community for Jesus Christ. The, the promise of heaven ought to cause parents to have endless faith conversations with their children, to pray for their children's salvation on a regular basis so that their kid bows a knee to Christ. I believe the promise of heaven reminds us that this life is short. It is short, short, short. And that one day we're going to stand before God, the God that we say we love, the God that we say that we want to worship. And it should motivate us to stand before God someday in an, to have lived in an honorable way, understanding that that's where we're going to be. So that when God looks at us, he says, well done, good and faithful son. Well done, good and faithful daughter. Spiritual infants, spiritual adolescents, tend to not be very sure about heaven. Not sure if it's real. Not sure if they're going. Just be blunt. Not sure if it's really worth getting all fired up about. But friends, when you grow up, when you mature, when you learn more about your faith and you progress in your faith, as you face more suffering and you lose a few people that you love and care about and you watch that you all of a sudden you realize there has to be more than this. I think you go through enough pain and lose enough people that you love, you start walking closer with God. And I think it's because eternity becomes more vivid. The reality of heaven and hell becomes more pronounced. Heaven, powerful motivator. Spiritual maturity. We've talked a lot about it. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things in this series Ignite. And here's what I'm sure of. For some of you, as you've been listening through the weeks, you have found yourself going, 
I'm not on that path. I'm not manifesting the the marks of a mature Christian. In fact, I I don't even understand what he's talking about sometimes. Some of you would say, you know, I'm certainly not motivated, or at least not highly motivated. Maybe inside you're like, you know, what's wrong with me? I, I feel disconnected. I feel out of sync. And here's what I want to say to you. Maybe it's nothing serious. You know, maybe maybe you're in a spiritual slump. Maybe you've lost your confidence. Um, It happens sometimes. I've had that in my life. You kind of get stuck. You know, you get stuck between adolescence and maturity or you get stuck between infancy and adolescence. But here's what I know. If you keep at it, keep doing the things, some of the things we've talked about, you'll start growing again. I mean, for some of you, maybe maybe you got sidetracked, got caught in a rut. Maybe sin's holding you back. See, I believe if you confess that sin, if you own the fact that you got preoccupied or you got your priorities messed up, you can get back on the path. Maybe it's nothing serious again. But there is another possibility. And that is maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've been hanging out with Christians. Maybe you've been acting like a Christian. But maybe you've never really become one. You're trying to go through the motions. You're trying to mature. And what I want to tell you is it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You are going to head down a path, and I can tell you you're going to end up one of two places. You're either going to go down the path for a while and finally just hit the wall, throw your hands up, and go, you know what, I give up. This is not working for me anymore. And you're just going to fall off the map. Or you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to make him Savior and Lord of your life. I heard this, this was told to me one time, that uh, it's kind of like the caterpillar. Caterpillar is a ground-bound creature. They crawl around. They crawl around. And they crawl around until the miracle of metamorphosis. And that frees them to leave the ground and to fly. Some of you are ground-bound in your faith. You're ground-bound because you've not experienced the spiritual metamorphosis of new life in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, you will never soar. You will never have enough motivation. You will never be that person that God created you to be until you become a Christian and just say, you know what, God, I'm laying it down. What I want to do this morning, because we're all over the map here, some of you, You just need to own the fact that you've kind of stalled out 
got your priorities squirreled up, and just give it to God. Some of you, you need to realize that you know you're hit, you hit that slump, you hit that wall. You're 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 trying to to take the next step. You're doing everything that you need to do, but it's just getting tougher and tougher. And just just say, you know what, God, help me hang in there. You'll start growing again. And some of you, you need to make today the day you give your life to Christ. And so wherever you're at, I, I don't invite you. The band's going to play here in a minute. But I would invite you, come down front, give it to God. There will be some people on, on the wings. If you would like someone to pray with you, uh, just head over. They'll pray with you. But as a congregation, let's just give God whatever you need to give him this morning. Maybe you have another need and you want someone to pray with you, you can bring that up today as well. So let's bow in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for your love. And God, you have called us. You know our name. You have a plan for our life. God, I know there are some here today that life just got busy. They didn't mean to set you aside, but they did. God, I pray that you just speak to them right now, that they would know that you love them, that you care about them you want to walk every day with them. God, I know there's some here that life's just been tough lately. They feel like they're not moving forward. They're doing everything they can. God, I pray you would just break down the walls. You'd let them plow through. They'd experience your Holy Spirit, that you'd give them strength. God, I know there's some here today that they've been hanging out in church a long time. They've never officially bowed a knee to you. God, I pray today would be the day they'd experience new life. God, open our hearts, open our eyes. May we give our lives to you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.